This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Kirsten, or our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR, part of a private equity Montague's portfolio of standalone companies. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we are joined by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brandt. Each week, we get together to talk about themes and trends dominating the financial landscape and reflect on mutual funds and ETF flows and allocations data tracked by EPFR. Cam, uh, we're about a week away from Mexico-ish, and I know I'm already thinking about fishing off the coast. Uh, Since you're the expert, what what kind of fish do you think we're going to catch? It uh, should be interesting, put it that way. Um, I've, t- I've told the captain that we don't want to just sort of drag around in circles, hoping something will bite the lure. But we might uh, might get mahi-mahi at that time of year, um, bar- barracuda, which is always an interesting mouthful of teeth. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at other times of the year, uh, things as glamorous as sailfish and tarpon. So, you know. I think it'll be interesting, and we may sort of sit over a reef and bring up colorful fish. Um, So, sounds amazing. (laughs) Um, Well, I've actually caught one mahi mahi before in in my lifetime, but um, it was one of the coolest experiences for sure. So we'll see if we get lucky. Um, Well, anyway, this past week we um, offered a client, our clients, a recap of 2022 themes from EPFR fund flows. Um, Equity and cash kept their noses above water, but bond funds suffered their heaviest outflow on record. Non-ETF bonds posted their first collective yearly outflow since 2018. Um, Equity flows favored emerging Asia and much, much more. What would you say are the top three significant trends in the data that we we track? You just gave a very good summary. Uh, I I was particularly struck by the fact that um, in what was obviously a very volatile year, that um, investors in the fixed income space gravitated towards ETFs and passive funds uh, and bailed out of actively managed um, Historically, the assumption has been that ETFs are great for good times, but um, when things get bumpy, you would like a sentient uh, person at the helm. Uh, And I think people no longer are that worried. ETFs have have survived all the bumps, uh, by and large delivered what they promised. So um, I thought that was particularly significant. Um, Obviously, you know, we picked up very early in the fund flows that um, uh, investors didn't believe the Chinese government, uh, that they expected them to have to capitulate on the zero COVID policy and that once they did after uh, a period, there was going to be a big economic rebound uh, that they wanted in on um, another well, we're still on China. Another trend that certainly has been interesting, and it was more than just last year, is that a market that historically has been noted for heavy retail involvement and consequent volatility uh, is increasingly being driven by institutional flows. So, which I think you know, 
hopefully means some sort of calmer heads and more long-term thinking. Um, and then you know, the third element that uh, of the many that came out of there, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm certainly been tracking the growing willingness to challenge the Fed. I mean, there's that old saw that you don't fight the Fed. Um, but, uh, you know, f- f- almost the moment the Fed started raising rates, markets kind of started to position themselves, uh, or certainly fund flows uh, started to position themselves for the moment when the Fed uh, stopped raising rates and actually started to cut them. Uh, You know, bank loan funds, which are historically uh, a way to sort of protect yourself against rising short-term rates, um, uh, the money started flowing out of there, you know, surprisingly early last year and has continued uh, to go. So, um and we saw more of that this week. Um, you know, we, the Navigator was titled "Glass Still Half Full," and um, even though the Fed tried to <laughs> be as clear as it could that it's not finished raising rates and that um, it doesn't want to have to fight inflation twice, um, you know, markets uh, and fund flows behaved as if, <laughs> um, you know, the uh, uh, switch to quarter power. Pa- quarter uh, percentage point hikes is, you know, in keeping with their narrative that this soon will be over. We'll go back to the happy days. Well, like you said, this latest week included a 25 basis point hike um, from the U.S. Federal Reserve with Chair Powell emphasizing that the disinflation process is on early stages. Um, We also saw a 50 basis point hike from both the ECB and Bank of England. A number of other economic data came out. Um, ISM manufacturing PMI fell to 47.4 in January. Jolt job openings climbed to 11 million in December of 2022, the most in five months. Um, Today, we saw U.S. non-farm payrolls reporting 517,000 jobs were created in January this year, doubling December's figure, and unemployment rate dropped 0.1% to 3.4%. How did or maybe do we expect investors to react to all of this data coming out? Well, we're in in this sort of strange world where what a normal person might regard as good news and the financial markets is frequently regarded as bad news. So I think the you know the job creation figures are going to send uh, a ripple uh, through, um, and uh, you know it, it's fairly hard to you know make any kind of clear um, statement about where people are going because uh, as we saw last year, uh, switches in sentiment were almost weekly. Um, and though you know we started off fairly strongly at the beginning of this year, that's not surprising. People do tend to think it might be different, um, and we have had this long-standing uh, assumption in markets that the Fed's uh, bark was going to be a little worse than its bite. Uh, something the Fed is <laughs> trying very hard to convey is not actually um, true, um, but. 
you know, I think uh, at the moment we're in the happy stage where um, you can predict uh, things, but the uh, actual gears aren't grinding. Uh, when we get into March, we're going to find out uh, what what twist the Russia's invasion of the Ukraine is going to take. I think when we get into April and May, we're going to see what uh, the uh, rebound of the Chinese economy really looks like and what impact that has on global demand for commodities and oil, which uh, has knock-on effects for inflation. Um, so we're, we're going to see how willing European and Chinese consumers are to spend their pots of excess savings. Uh, U.S. consumers <laughs> did fairly well on that front. Um, but we're, we're somewhat in the calm before the storm period. Among the Asia-Pacific country fund groups, we did see redemptions for Japan equity funds nearly reach half a billion this past week, and Japan bond funds extend their streak to um, six weeks with an 18-week high outflow. How is overall investment investor sentiment towards this group this year given the monetary policy situation and headline inflation touching a four-decade high? It's pretty complicated. Um, again, in soft focus, Japan has gotten what it's been trying so hard to get for um, several decades, which is uh, you know, above 2% inflation, which, uh, at least in theory, will prompt people to spend their money today rather than save it and have it whittled down uh, for tomorrow. But the kind of inflation so far that uh, they've got uh, is not what you would call good inflation. It, it, um, it, it doesn't sort of um, prod people into the right kind of behaviors. Um, and then there's this broader uncertainty that with the rest of the world tightening, um, is the Bank of Japan going to be able to hold the line uh, on its existing policy set? Um, you know, its justification domestically is, is eroding given inflation levels. Um, and... Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculative capital that's kind of maneuvering to <laughs> take advantage if uh, if the dam breaks. Um, and since Japan's such a big external creditor, if the dam breaks, there'll be sort of aftershocks uh, in various corners of the world, including uh, European debt markets. Um, so, uh, you know, our flow data, I think, it reflects this uncertainty. People have been sort of dipping in and out uh, you know, on a fairly on-off basis now for quite some time. Um, and I think until the Fed reaches its pivot point, um, that's likely to continue. Well, hopefully it doesn't continue for too long, but I'm sure, I'm sure it, it will. Um, yeah. Since we haven't touched on this subject in a while and, and since flows climbed to a six-month high in the latest week ending February 1st, what is going on with cryptocurrency funds lately? Well, they're, they're definitely reflecting the, the, the sort of uh, recent uptick in sentiment. So we are seeing a bit more money come in. But it's, it's at a very cautious level. Um, 
certainly from the mutual fund perspective, the, the, when Bitcoin really shook out uh, at the beginning of last year, um, investors using those vehicles sort of got the message. They got out. Um, uh, so weekly flows have been at a much, much lower level uh, ever since. Um you know, it's it still, I think, intrigues people. I think uh, there's still investors who think, you know, a small allocation to that asset class should be part of their mix. Um, but uh, from, from the mutual fund perspective, uh, flows are what you would expect, but not significant enough to, uh, in, you know, in terms of the size of the asset class and its dynamism to really uh, get you interested. Yeah, we don't track track a really crypto crowd, <laughs> crypto inclined crowd. Right now, yes, next week uh, there'll be another another voice uh, on the podcast. Um, uh, since you're uh, getting a jump on our um, offsite. Um, Azalea Makatis, one of our quants, will be um, here and uh, hopefully we'll do more talking um, uh, about some of the strategies and uh, more numeric signals that uh, emerge from our data. Definitely. Um, and hopefully that will have a bit of a, an emerging markets focus for, for our viewers as well. Um, yeah. Great. Thank you, Cam. Um, and talk soon, where, whenever that may be. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.buzzsprout.com or email us directly at epfrexchangepodcast at informa.com.